So in chapter 18, let's keep going in the story. Uh, In this uh, covenant relationship, there's the promise of a son, Abraham and Sarah. Because of chapter 17, their names have been changed. They're no more Abram and Sarah. They're Abraham. You're going to see that name change in chapter 18, Abraham and Sarah. So if you got your Bible, look at verse 1 of chapter 18. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees in Mamre. You remember Abraham, he pitched his tent in the forest of Mamre. Lot, his nephew, uh, ended up moving toward Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, eventually moved into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham is living in Mamre, which is the promised land. It's the land that God is going to give him um, as a possession uh, for the, uh, his family to dwell in. And so while he's there in Mamre, in that forest, the trees of Mamre, uh, the Lord appears to him. Now, we have seen these appearances already. We even talked about that when we looked at the person of Melchizedek a couple of Wednesday nights ago, um, looking at him, that he was a, a, a priest, um, but a king, uh, he spoke on God's behalf. He was a prophet. We had to answer the question, who is Melchizedek? Is, is this a, a Christophany, a pre-appearance of Jesus prior to Bethlehem's manger? Or is this a typology? Is this just a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament? And, uh, and so here, uh, again, we have three men showing up in Mamre um, and uh, and one of them is the Lord Jesus. This is a Christophany. This is a pre-appearance of the second person of the Trinity prior to uh, wrapping himself in flesh, coming in a virgin's womb, born in a manger in the little town of Bethlehem. This predates all of that. God steps out of heaven and appears to Abraham in physical form This is Jesus. Now, this is one of those places we don't really have to wonder or question because it says in verse 1, the Lord appeared to him. And so while there's three men, one of those men is the Lord Jesus. And he's going to speak to Abraham. He's going to have a meal with Abraham. And uh, and God, this this is really powerful. God steps out of heaven to meet with Abraham. So keep keep going with me. As he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. And so in the heat of the day in the Middle East, um, men and ladies, that's not the time to be outside working. That's the time when the sun is uh, at high noon that you would uh, have a break, a siesta even after uh, your midday meal. And so... Uh, Abram is sitting in the the door of his tent. The breeze is blowing over him, and he is relaxing. And he lifts up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. Now, what's fascinating is he didn't see them walk up. It is uh, really, in the text, it's as if they appeared out of nowhere. He didn't see them traveling To him, he looked up, and they were standing there in his midst. 
The three were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and he bowed himself to the ground. Now, this is, uh, speaks a lot of Abraham's reverence toward the Lord. You know, we sing this song, I can only imagine uh, what it would be like when we stand before Jesus. Uh, we stand by his side in heaven. How will we react in the presence of King Jesus? Will we bow down and worship him? How will we respond in his presence? Well, I see, we see Abraham bowing down before the Lord Jesus. This is fascinating because Abraham knew exactly who he was. He was standing before God himself. And so he bows before him in verse 2 and he says, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Don't, don't leave. Stay here. Come. Don't just pass through. Stay here. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by. And inasmuch as you have come to your servant, they said, do as you have. Um, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, Make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. What, what's going on? Jesus shows up. And, and, and it immediately steak night. Don't you like that? I love steak night at the house. I mean, I love when, uh, when the grill is, is getting hot. I love, uh, I love a good steak. I mean, if, I were, if you say, what is your last meal? This is your last meal. What do you want? I, I want a steak. I want a ribeye, cut about that thick. Maybe a filet. Filets are good. I like filet. Filet, but ribeye, cut about that thick. I want asparagus. Um, I, I want a salad. That's my last meal. If I get to pick, that's what I want. I, I like steak. Jesus likes steak too. Amen. I love this, that he's a carnivore. Um, I love it. And because it really, that's who he is. We talked about this the other day. He is carne uh, asada. He is, he is in the flesh. He is in meat. That is the incarnation of God. He is, he is God in meat form. And so here he is coming here as carne, and he is a carnivore in uh, chapter 18. Uh, this is just, it could not get any better. I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus is not a vegetarian, aren't you? Amen. And so Abraham realizes, hey, listen, this is a special event. Um, the Lord himself is here and two angels are with him. We don't know who, the, who they are. Could be Gabriel, could be Michael. Uh, Jesus has left heaven with two angels by his side. He's, he's come here uh, to make an announcement. In fact, you're going to see three different announcements right here in chapter 18. Uh, the first of which uh, Jesus is going to, uh, is going to come and, uh, and, and, and announce a birth. 
He's going to show up to tell Abraham and Sarah that there's going to be a baby in their home. We're going to get to that a little bit later. But the the first announcement that's made is not made by Jesus. The first announcement is made by Abraham. Now, ladies, you love this. Uh, You love to get a phone call uh, in the middle of the day or late in the afternoon, and your husband says, listen, I hate to spring this on you, but the boss is going to be over tonight for supper, right? Um, And we're, we're 15 minutes away. And, uh, and, and so company's coming. That, that's the first announcement. Uh, Abraham says to Sarah, hey, make some cakes, some bread. Let's, uh, let's eat, take fine flour, make some uh, cakes. Uh, the, the Lord Jesus is here. Company is here. And, 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 and you get these phone calls, you know, when, hey, we're, we're in the neighborhood. We're just stopping by. And, and uh, well, how long are you going to be? We're going to be there in 10 minutes. And, and you run. We've done this before at our house. We run cleaning the entire house house. You throw everything under the bed. You shut the boy's door so nobody can see how they really live. And uh, you, you do everything you can to tidy everything up. You fold up the blankets that are laying on the couch all the time and you put those over in the corner and you, you sweep, you get the Swiffer out, you try to clean up the best that you can. You, you throw everything that's in the sink into the dishwasher and you, you run constantly for 10 minutes until the doorbell rings and everybody's sweating. The kids have gone crazy. You've sent them around to to clean up. It has been the flight of the bumblebee while uh, those last 10 minutes waiting for uh, your uh, your guest, your unannounced guest to arrive. And the first thing that you say when you open the door is don't mind the house, it's a mess. Now here's reality. It's the cleanest it's been in six months, right? Uh, but, but that's the very first thing you say, don't mind that. That's Sarah. Sarah gets the announcement. Company's coming. Whip something up really quick uh, and make it good. And Abraham, Abraham goes and he starts the green egg. He gets the fire going. He tells the young guy, hey, listen, get the best little calf we've got and slaughter him and cut some good steaks. I want those ribeyes because Jesus is here. And, and cut them about this thick and I'll get them on the grill and and Abraham is doing everything he can because he has special guests in his home. Now, I want you to think about this. First, First point of this message is an invitation. This invitation. You and I have an opportunity just like Abraham to invite Jesus into our home. Now, we we can be real honest this morning. Um, Home is where, um, home's where we're vulnerable. Uh, Home's where we're completely exposed. Home is where we act like who we really are is at home. Home is where we say things we wouldn't normally say when we're outside our home. In in fact, you know this, we treat the people that we live in much worse than we treat people that we don't live with, um, and we love them the most. But we treat the ones we love the most oftentimes the worst because the people who live in our home see us at our worst. And so home is the place where it's, uh, it's very private, it's uh, very, very vulnerable. It's our personal space. In fact, we do things in our home we wouldn't do outside of our home. 
We, we have things in our home that if we were real, I mean, if we were really vulnerable and really honest this morning, every one of us would have to say, there are things in our home that we would be completely embarrassed if people in this place knew what happened in our home, under our roof, in private, in our personal space. I mean, watch what Abraham does. He invites the Lord Jesus into that space. In fact, he begs him, don't, don't pass by. Come in here. Stay, stay, stay with me. And, uh, and company's coming out. Now watch, we see this in Luke chapter 19. Uh, Jesus, when he was here in the flesh for those 30 33 years or so uh, in the Gospels. They record to us his time here um, as, as the Lord Jesus. Um, he, he went into people's homes a lot. I mean, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he was always in their home in Bethany. Um, in Luke chapter 19, we see a, um, a story where Jesus is preaching and he sees a man who is hated um, he's a little bitty fellow, short guy. Uh, his name's Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. And so to be a tax collector would mean that Rome is using you and Jews hate you because you're robbing from them to pay uh, Rome. And so you're, you're really a person without a people. And Zacchaeus was a person without a people. He was without a, a group. Um, and so uh, Rome, he was being used by Rome, and then his own people hated him. And so Jesus comes, and Zacchaeus is wanting to see him, and there's so many people. And so this little bitty short fellow, he climbs up in a tree so that he can see the Lord Jesus. And Jesus is teaching in Luke 19, and he comes by that tree, that sycamore tree, and he sees Zacchaeus up there, and he calls Zacchaeus to come down. You know what he says? He said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house. You know, Jesus loves coming to houses. Jesus loves to be company that's coming to your home because it's in that space that, it, that we're the most vulnerable. It's, it's in that space that we're more like us than any other time of our day. And Jesus tells Zacchaeus, he says, I'm coming home uh, to your house uh, today. And, and, and he does. And Zacchaeus makes a meal uh, for him, and, uh, and he talks with Jesus, and Jesus visits with Zacchaeus. Well, well in Genesis chapter 18, the, the same is happening at Abraham's home. Uh, Jesus has been invited in to the most vulnerable place. Now, I wrote this statement down, and I, I believe this is true, and so if it hits close to home um, to you, then, uh, then let it, right? Most of us are fine with meeting Jesus at his house rather than inviting Jesus in to our house. You know, we, we call this building the house of God, right? We're going to go to the church. That is really not the house of God. Our, our life is the house of God. He comes to live inside of us as a person, in the person of the Holy Spirit, and 
the Bible tells us that, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. And, and these buildings that we build here on this earth where the church gathers, it's really not the church. It's not really the house of God. We're the house of God. And so the houses of God come to meet in a building. But, but we call this, we call this God's house. And so some of us would much rather meet Jesus at his house than inviting him into in our house. Because when he comes into our house, then that's, that's who we really are. Then, then he invades private space. He invades our private lives. When we invite him in our house, then, then he gets to come and occupy the seat of who we are, our thought. Our activity that nobody else knows about. The words that we speak that nobody really private or publicly gets to hear. I want to encourage you this morning as an invitation to move Jesus from this space into the most intimate space in your life. You see, because the closer we move Jesus into our life, the more he can do in our life. Now, I've shared this illustration with you before, but um, we, we have the benefit of, a, of the loop of 220. You know, if you, if you work in Shreveport or Bossier and you head that or you're, you, you go that way or you just need to get around, you can go 220 where it hits 3132 and it just makes a loop right around the Shreveport Bossier uh, area. And, uh, and that loop was, as I remember, I remember when, I don't remember when it was first uh, built, but I remember as a young boy that all the exits weren't even place so it's it's been in recent history that that loop was designed around Shreveport Bossier where you don't have to go down I-20 you don't have to take highway 80 to go through town and hit all the lights or I-20 and hit all the traffic that loop was built and then crossed over Cross Lake and then it connects down here by the track that's uh, kind of east of uh, Shreveport and Bossier and then it connects I-20 west down there by Pines Road and you literally can go all the way around and that loop was designed for two reasons. It was designed to keep you close enough to the city that you could access the city rather quickly. If you need to bail off North Market, you could get to the city downtown. You could, you could get to your close enough uh, to access the city rather quickly, but yet you're far enough away not to be inconvenienced by the traffic of the city. Um, you could avoid the, the stops, you could avoid the lights, you could avoid uh, the inconveniences of the traffic. Now, now watch this. M- most of us, if we were honest, we'd rather meet Jesus here than invite him into our private life, our private space, because we kind of like Jesus on the loop in our life. I mean, he's close enough in the loop of our life where we can access him when we need him, right? Right? 
I mean, if, if we go to the doctor and he says you have cancer or if we, uh, we get a phone call and our, our, our child is, is going through difficulty in their marriage or we, we, we get a phone call from the police and we have a child who's rebelling and, and in trouble, we want him on the loop so that we can access him rather quickly when there's crisis in our life. We, we need him close. But, but listen, we don't want him so close that he inconveniences our life uh, by the things that he would want us to do. We, we, don't, we don't want him so close that uh, we invite him into the personal space where he, he then can point out the things in our life where we've compromised in our relationship with him. We, we don't want him so close in our family, in our home, that, uh, that, that he hears the way that we, we, when we lose our anger, we lose our cool. We don't want him so close that he knows our thoughts or we allow him in to, to really see our heart. And so we kind of keep him at arm's length. Do you, you ever been around people that keep you at arm's length? You know, they shake your hand and they kind of hold you away from them. Uh, they keep you at arm's length. Maybe it's because they don't want you to, uh, to see uh, their facial expressions too close. Maybe they don't want you to smell what's on their breath. I'm telling you, preachers get held at arm's length a lot. All right? And, and it is a, 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 an easy sign when somebody reaches and shakes your hand and kind of holds you at arm's length. They don't want you too close where you can see or smell what's going on in their life. You know, we keep Jesus on the loop, don't we? Keep him at arm's length because in some ways we think if we don't expose ourselves to him, he won't know what's going on. See, we're much better meeting him here than inviting him into our, our own life, our personal space, the place that we're most vulnerable. Well, let's keep reading because there's a, an, another announcement. The first one was companies coming. A Abraham announced to Sarah, Get, let's make things ready. Let's clean things up let's, uh, because the Lord is, is coming. But look, look at verse 9. It says, then, then they said to him, um, where's Sarah, your wife? So he said, here, she's in the tent. And he said, the Lord Jesus, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. What does that mean? She's eavesdropping. Now Abraham and Sarah were old well advanced in age. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing decades ago. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. Now, that's interesting. She laughed and it didn't make a sound. She, she laughed and nobody around heard it. She laughed within herself. You, you, we do that, right? We kind of chuckle inside when we hear something funny. She laughed within herself. And watch what it says. After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? She, she said, she laughed and she thought, Lord, have you seen my husband lately? That's what she said. My, my husband's old. I'm old, but he's older. He's almost 100. 
And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? I love verse 14. You probably need to circle this, underline it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and and Sarah shall have a son. Verse 15, but Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And Jesus said, no, but you did laugh. Now, I love that because Sarah lied to Jesus. Isn't that great? She thought, I'm going to get away with this. He didn't hear me laugh. And she says, from behind the door now, she hadn't even walked into the room. Where's Sarah? She's here in the tent. She laughed. He, she wasn't even in the room. And Jesus heard her laugh within herself. And Jesus begins talking to her through the door, through the wall that she's eavesdropping through. And he says, no. She said, I didn't laugh. And he said, no, but you did laugh. So she lies to Jesus. And watch this. I love this about Jesus. He pours grace out on that. He says, girl, you laughed. I heard you laugh. And he doesn't condemn her. I love that, don't you? That we think Jesus is this cosmic cop that's hiding around the corner that is trying to catch us in every little thing that we do. And our fear of God is not in reverence to God. Our fear of God is that he's going to catch us and punish us. But here, this gives us a glimpse of God and his grace. And he pours it out right there on Sarah. Well, here's the announcement. The first one was an invitation. And then the second thing I want you to see is an interruption. And the, the second announcement is that a baby is coming. And, and man, this is an interruption. This is big, big time interrupt. Jesus interrupts their plans. Now, 10 years ago, he had told them that you're going you're gonna to be the father of a great nation. And and for a decade, they were assuming that that would have come at that moment. Maybe when, he heard, when they heard that nine months later, they would have a baby. But nine months came and went. That year came and went. Twelve months came and went. The next year came and went. And ten years, a decade passed before this moment. And they had, they had not forgotten about the promise. But to be honest with you, they weren't trusting it anymore. That they had thought something has happened. Um, God's not going to give us this child. And so when Jesus interrupts their life, he says, look, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a son. And it, it stops, that announcement stops them in their tracks. And it literally interrupts their future plans. Now, I want you to think about this. When they realize this baby's coming that that they're not going to just retire like they had thought you know we we have in our mind what our plans are 
that we're going to work a certain amount of years and we're going to put up and we're going to save and we're going to build this nest egg. And then in our mind, we're going to put in this many years and then we're going to retire and then we're going to travel. We're going to do then what we want to do because for the last 35, 40 years, we've done what someone else has wanted us to do. And so we're going to get the last part of our life, however many years we have left, and it's going to be ours. We're not raising children. We're, we're not uh, going to have the demands of the schedule. We're, every day is going to be a Saturday. We're going to retire. We're going to wake up when we want to. We're going to do the things we want to go where we want. We're going to, we're going to live in comfort because we've made plans and preparations for this season of our life. We've worked hard our whole life for this season of our life. And we have plans. Abraham and Sarah had plans. They had worked hard. They have moved from place to place. They'd acquired a lot of wealth. They are in a season of life that's sunset. They're, they're watching the sun go down on their life. 120 years is kind of that uh, age now for human expectancy, life expectancy, and so they are in the last part of their life. And they're, they're looking at retirement. They're looking at settling down. And God seemingly has drug his feet on this promise, and it's probably not coming. And then now, in the ninth inning, God says, no, it's still coming. Now, now watch what has to happen. We have to make this tent ready for a baby. I mean, they had to put them little plastic plugs in all of the little sockets. They had them little doorknobs, you know, little deals where you twist them. And everything had to have that little pad. The, you know, the, the hearth had to have that little rubber pad on it in case baby learns how to walk, hits its head, everything. And they had to baby-proof the tent now. Everything, they, they're in mode now. Abraham's over there painting the, the walls blue because a boy's coming. And, and the baby showers are on the schedule. And, and everybody there in Mamre and the, 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 all of their servants, they're bringing them uh, the diapers and wipes and bottles and onesies and burp cloths and all of that stuff and, and Sarah's done registered down at Target in Sodom and, and everybody's coming and they're showering them with gifts and, 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 and all of this stuff is, is happening and they're planning this baby. This baby's coming. This baby's about to change everything and, and so this announcement to, uh, to, to really change life as normal, this interruption. Now watch this. The closer we allow Jesus into our lives, the greater the opportunity for those heavenly interruptions. Now, I'm going to say that one more time because I don't think you caught it. You're still thinking about Target. <laughs> the first part, he invites Jesus in. The closer we allow Jesus into our lives, when we invite him in to every area of our life, we expose our fears, we expose our, uh, our struggles to King Jesus. The closer we allow him into our life, watch this, the greater the opportunity for heavenly interruptions. The greater the opportunity for God to look at our life and say, hey, I want to use you in this season. That now you've surrendered this to me, now it's time. Now it's time uh, for an announcement. Now it's time for an interruption. Heavenly interruptions, they change our lives' direction. This changed Sarah and Abraham's direction for their life. That they had never had a child. Now at 99, 100 years old and 90, they're about to have a baby in their home. They're about to lose sleep. Everything in their life is about to be disrupted. Because the closer we allow Jesus into our lives, the greater the impact of those interruptions are in our life. And, 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 and oftentimes those interruptions change 
our life's direction, where, God would, where, where we would have our life go, when Jesus steps in and interrupts, it changes those directions. Now, now watch what else. Not only does it change life's direction, but it causes laughter. Now you realize that in chapter 17, Sarah's not the only one who laughed. Chapter 17, verse 17, when uh, in verse 15, it says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Now, you already had a son by Tamar, but I'm going to give you a son by Sarah. And she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed. I mean, he, did, he fell over laughing. And so we throw rocks at Sarah for laughing. But Abraham laughed. Because oftentimes these interruptions, these heavenly interruptions, they change direction, the course of our life, but they cause laughter when God is up to something. He said it in verse 14. When he gets up, when he begins to move, he asks this question, is anything too hard for the Lord? He said, I want to do something in your life that's gonna make everybody else have awe and worship of me. And then look what happens, because I'm not running out of time, but verse, verse 16, I gotta keep going. Then the men arose from there and looked toward Sodom. So the, these, these are the angels, the two guys that were with Jesus, and they looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? So, so Jesus came on a mission, the first part of that mission was to meet with Abraham and to tell him about the son that's coming. The second part of that mission is he was going to Sodom and Gomorrah's twin cities. We already read about them in, in chapter 13 that this was a city where evil men dwelt. Um, th this was a place where sin ran rampant. And, and the Lord said really to himself, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord led Abraham in on the secret. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grave, I'm going down now to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. And the men turned uh, towards Sodom. And so we have Abraham and Jesus standing here. The two angels are heading over a hill to go to Sodom and Gomorrah, and Jesus has just let Abraham in on a secret. He said, listen, while I was in heaven, uh, there was an outcry against these cities. And he didn't have to tell them that these are the cities that your nephew lives in and his wife and their girls. But he said, there's been an outcry. I have to go and see, and I'm going to have to do something about it. And so the, the first thing that we saw was this um, invitation, Abraham inviting Jesus into his life. The second thing that we saw was an interruption, Jesus showing a heavenly interruption to Abraham and Sarah's life with this baby, the announcement of a baby. Now we're going to see an intercession. Intercession is when you or someone comes between two parties. 
You intercede, you mediate. You're the one who is the the mediator or the intercessor between two parties. Well, we're about to see Abraham become an intercessor between God and his judgment and Sodom and Gomorrah and their sin. This is an incredible picture. Abraham, you can almost see him. Jesus is standing here. The two angels have gone on to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham is standing between Jesus and judgment. He's standing between Jesus and the sin of Sodom. Almost to say, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Don't don't go over there yet. Um, I I know what you've got to do because of sin. I know that you have to judge them. And so Abraham is doing what most Middle Eastern men do. He's haggling with Jesus. If you've ever been to Israel, I'd love for you to go. And we go to Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, and we go to the market. And uh, you don't have tons of time because we're going from place to place. But a lot of times you get to go into the market and you get to talk to people. And you may see something at, at, at their table or at their little booth that you want to purchase. And, and it, it's just Middle Eastern culture. Right? We're used to Western culture. You see a price tag. You don't go to Walmart and haggle with Walmart. You don't go and say, hey, that TV is really nice. It's $500. Will you take 300 That doesn't happen at Walmart or Best Buy or any of those places. But in the Middle East, that's, that is, they, they price it high and, and it's expected to haggle. That, that's how they work. And so, uh, so, so you would go up and you say, hey, listen, I really like that hat or that scarf or whatever. And you want 50 shekels, I'll give you five. Oh my gosh, five. You want me to, you want my kids to starve to death? Are you kidding? Five, 40 shekels. How about 40 shekels? Well, no, I can't do 40 shekels. I'll, I can do 10 shekels. And oh, are you kidding me? This is my livelihood. And, and then, then he says 30 shekels. And you say, listen, I'll just leave it there. I can get it cheaper at the neighbor next door and you walk out and he runs after you and says, okay, okay, my final offer is 20 shekels. And then you go back and you look at it and he says, I'll give you 20 shekels and if you like this scarf, I'll throw in this hat free. And you say, 20 shekels, really all I got is 10 shekels and you can keep your hat, just give me the scarf for 10 shekels. He says, okay, fine, 10 shekels. That's how it works. You haggle. Abraham's about to haggle with Jesus on Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen to this. He says in in verse 23, and Abraham came near and said, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? You you can see him with his hands out. Sodom and Gomorrah at his back, Jesus at his front. and And he says, hang on, before you go, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous? They were in it. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, all right, Abraham, if if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I'll spare all of the place for their sakes. I'll spare the city if I can find 50 righteous people. In verse 27, Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I, am, uh, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than 50 righteous. Would you destroy all of the city for the lack of five? I mean, if 50 is the line, surely you'll, you'll, you'll pour grace out if there's 45 of them, Right? So he said, if I find there 45 
I'll not destroy it. In verse 29, he says, and he spoke to him yet again, and he said, suppose there should be 40 found there. So he said, I I will not do it for the sake of 40. They're haggling. Verse 30, then he said, "Let, let, let not they be the Lord angry, and I'll speak. Suppose 30 should be found there. So Jesus said, I'll not do it if I find 30 there. And he said in verse 31, Indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. And So Jesus said to Abraham, I'll not destroy it for the sake of 20. And then he said, Let not the Lord be angry. And I'm going to speak one, one more time. Suppose there be 10. Ten should be found there. And Jesus said, I'll not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Abraham has entered in the place of intercession. He is speaking to God on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. You almost see his his hands outstretched, dealing with God, saying, God, please, please. He knew in that town he had Lot, Lot's wife, two virgin daughters, some other daughters and their husband. Lot is in his mind thinking, surely there's 10, right? Even in my own family, there's 10. There's other little cities around there. Surely there'll be 10. And so Lot, or Abraham thinks he's, he's made a good deal on behalf of the people of Sodom. He's interceding for them. You know, when, when I was younger, um, there were seat belts in cars, um, but it, it wasn't even a law to wear them. I don't ever remember having a car seat um, as, a, as an infant or, a, or even a child. I don't know, booster seats. I remember standing up behind my parents while they drove, holding on to their seat, standing in the floorboard. Um, if I sat in the front seat and my mom was driving, if somebody stopped quick, y'all may remember this, if somebody stopped quick, bam, my mama would put her arm out like that, um, keep me from hitting the dashboard, but broke my sternum, right? Um, so that, it was just a, it was like this instant reflex that my mom had, and that was a child restraint system when I was growing up, right? I'd sit in the front seat, no seat belt, car was up, bam, just like that. She put her hand out, keeping me from hurting myself. That, that's what Abraham is doing on behalf of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He's, he's holding back the judgment of God on their sin. He's interceding for them. Church, when we invite Jesus in to get in closer in our life, we surrender more and more to him in our life. We, we really allow him into the deepest, darkest places of our heart and our life. He begins to interrupt our life with his will and his plan. He he begins to to interrupt our future and change our direction and and really cause laughter in our life. But, But watch what he's calling us to do in that. He's calling us to intercede 
on behalf of those who don't know him. And that that's what God's called us to do, to bring the lost to Jesus, to intercede on their behalf, to bring the unrighteous to the righteous one, to pray them by name, to, to share with them what Christ has done in our life in order to be the conduit. We can't save them. Christ has done the work, but we're to bring them to the one who loves them way more than we ever will. This could be a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, anybody. We're just to be the one who intercedes. We pray on their behalf and we bring them to Jesus. Now watch this. What a powerful picture of what Jesus would later come and do. He would hold his hands out, stretched on the cross, intercede, be the mediator between God the Father and his wrath and his creation that's sinful. And literally by the cross, he would hold back the wrath of his father so that you and I don't have to experience the judgment of God in our life. We can come to the one who interceded for us. We can come to God through the one who stood in our place and died in our place, who mediated between us and the judgment. Abraham is picturing how we are to see the lost, that we're to intercede just like he did for Sodom and Gomorrah, but he's showing us what Jesus has done for us, that he held back God's wrath. He held back God's judgment so that anyone would come could receive his grace rather than that wrath. So, so that this morning, what, what, what does all this mean? I would encourage you, you may have Jesus at arm's length. You may be asking the question, why doesn't God show up in big ways in my life? You got him on the loop. You got him at arm's length. Invite him in to your house. Show him the, your deepest fears. Reveal to him your greatest struggles. Be honest with him. Invite him into the places that are most vulnerable to you. Share with him the things that you struggle with that you've never told a soul about. You don't have to confess that to another person. He's the mediator. He's the high priest. He's the one that we go to. He's the one that we confess to. Invite him in and watch how he will interrupt business as usual. Watch how he will show up and do what you think is impossible. What's too hard for him to do? The answer is there's nothing too hard for him to do. He might say, you know what? I always see God using other people. I want God to use me. Invite him in. Let him interrupt. And watch how God will use you to be an intercessor for those that he's already put in your life to show them the grace of God through your actions and through your life. Let's do this, church. Let's bow together this morning. Well, let's allow God in. Let's invite him in today. You may be retired. You may be on what you think is the last chapter. Let's invite God in 
to our life and let him look around. Let, let him just see those most vulnerable places in our life and allow him to interrupt business as usual. I want to just give you just a moment of silence. There's something about silence and solitude that Jesus really loves to work in. And so before our musicians even play, I just want a few moments of silence to allow Jesus to speak. If you feel led to come to this altar during that time, come on. You just respond however God's leading you. And just in these moments of silence, and then I'll lead us in a prayer, and we'll have a time of invitation. But if God's leading you, you come now.